Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1. Want you to keep your Bible open now, as the Word of God needs to speak to us. See what God has to say to us. He spoke to Ezekiel here, and he's still speaking today. He wants to speak to you this morning. If you want to hear him, just whisper a wee prayer. Say, Lord, speak to me. And then when he tells you and speaks to you and shows you something, you go and do it. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. Notice that phrase, came unto me, or came into me. This fella didn't get this message from the internet. He didn't get it from Facebook. It came direct from God to his soul. And that's where we need to get our messages from. The word of the Lord came unto me or into me. Oh, I tell you, when the word grips you, it's mighty. Saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, there's two things about a prophet. First of all, he's a forth teller. He tells forth the word that he gets from God exactly as God gives it. That's what I'm going to do this morning. Exactly as God has given me the word. He tells it forth. He doesn't tweet it or twick it or anything. He tells it forth. He's a forth-teller. And he's a foreteller. Tells what is going to happen in the future. And when we read on into these other later chapters of Ezekiel, we have the great prophecy on Russia and the end times and all that. He's a, a prophet is a, is a, a forth-teller. And the foretell. And so we read on here against the shepherd, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. And then he sort of asked this question sort of sarcastically Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick. Watch the neithers. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep, now watch the mice. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, 
will both search my sheep and seek them out. We'll end the reading there for the moment. We keep your Bible open. We'll be referring to these other verses uh, later on in, in our message. This message that the Lord gave to the young priest, and he was a priest as well as a prophet, the young priest and prophet Ezekiel was a scathing attack, as we have read, on the false shepherds who ruled over the northern kingdom of Judah. This message came to them during the early part of their 70-year Babylonish captivity, probably in the first 10 years. Ezekiel, who was one of the captives, just about 25 years of age, he and his wife were taken into captivity. And when one day he was at the river Cherbar, and the people were disillusioned and depressed and they'd hung their harps on the willows and they said, how can we sing in this land? How can we sing the Lord's song? God spoke to the young prophet and we're told that the word came expressly and powerfully and clearly to him. The word of the Lord came to him. And here's the message that the Lord gave to the young Ezekiel. Tell those who were appointed shepherds and pastors and overseers of the flocks that one of the main fundamental reasons that they're wallowing in captivity, their men, women, and children are under the rod of the Syrian, of the cruel Assyrians, is because of the pathetic pastoral leadership of the people. They allowed the land to be ravished. They allowed the temple to be erased. They allowed the worship to cease. And he's saying, you tell them that you are the prime reason for this terrible captivity to happen. The blame lies at your door. And if you want to look at verse 10, you'll see something there. And if you open your Bible and keep it open at verse those verses 10 onward will be referring. Verse 10, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against. Now, if God be for us, who can be against us? But if God is against us, who can be for us? And it's an awesome thing when the God of heaven says, I'm against something. And that's what he says here. So what you see here is, first of all, a rebuking of the shepherds. A rebuking of the shepherds. Do you know what we need in this day in which we live? We need a few young prophets. We, we need a, f a few young watchmen and prophets of God, who, of God who have their ear to the heart of God and to declare messages from God in this hour. And the message this hour is needed is to challenge and to face some of the false prophets and leaders and shepherds and pastors in our land. God has turned against them, some of them. And he has turned against them for the state that they've left the flocks in. I tell you this morning, and I have my ear to the ground, there's a lot of unsettled sheep. There's a lot of hungry sheep looking up and not being fed. There's a lot of disappointed sheep. And what's more, there's a lot of angry sheep across our province this morning. And we need a thus, says the Lord. We need a thus, says the Lord, brought to the doors of the rectories and the manses and the churches and the elders 
and the pastors and the leaders. We need a thus, saith the Lord. We need a woe to the shepherds of Israel who do feed themselves and not the flock. Instead of feeding them on the finest manna and doing their job that many of them are supposed to do, finest of the wheat where they should be feeding and foraging it out in the night hours in weeping and in praying. They're given husks, regurgitated, recycled, regoogled. There's no word from the Lord. My heart has burdened, been burdened over this message. Yet Haggai says they live in their sealed houses and the house of God lies waste. Big salaries, big cars, big titles. We have more doctors now in the church and we never were sick. There's a stampede on this morning from hungry and thirsty sheep to be fed. And it is so evident in these past months. There's a stampede this morning for hungry and thirsty sheep to be fed at the fountain of God and to be filled and to be blessed through the word of God and they're not getting it. And I say this with a burdened heart this morning and I'm not getting at anybody. I don't care what you think about what I say anyway. But I want to say this this morning that the scores of people in the last year and they've They've cowered under COVID. COVID. Do you hear that? That's a good title for my message. And just you put that on. Cowering under COVID. They've joined the ranks of the state-controlled church. They've changed the scripture from we ought to obey God then to we ought to obey man. Well, you say, that's a nonsense this morning to be talking about a state-controlled church. Well, is it? Tells us how many is allowed in. Tells us where we sit. Tells us what we wear. Tells us what we have to do before we go in and what we have to do when we go out. Tells us that we have to sign a book, keep our name, wash our hands. If that's not controlling and if that's not contriving, I don't know what is. Now they're trying to pass a bill in England and I'm glad that some of them evangelicals in England have stood up. They're trying to pass a bill in England that you can't go into a house of worship unless you have a vaccine. If that's not control, tell me what is. That's bad enough. And I must unburden my heart this morning with the message the Lord gave me. That's bad enough. But now they're telling us what to say. What we pray. What we preach. What we write. Who we can and whom we can't witness to. They say that we're not allowed to call homosexual sodomites. We're not allowed even though the Bible says it's a sin and it's an abominable sin and it calls down the judgment of God. We're not allowed to pray for their conversion or witness to them. We're not allowed to tell them to repent. Tell the murderer to repent. Tell the thief to repent. We're not allowed to tell them to repent. We're not allowed to tell them that they need to be changed. I was thinking the other day of Abraham. When the angels visited him at the tent door, the Son of God was one of them himself, pre-incarnation. And told Abraham that the sin of Sodom had come up before them. And God says the sin of Sodom, we're going to we're going, to, we're going to destroy Sodom because the sin has come up before me. God says, and it's very grievous, and I'm going to destroy it. 
And Abram took to the mountain. And he began to weep and he began to cry and he began to bargain with God. If he could find men, find men, righteous men that God wouldn't do it. He pleaded, oh, what intercessory prayer that went on. And he's praying. Now, imagine this. Police arrive. Some of these boys with him. Maybe Nolan or someone. What are you doing, Abraham? I'm praying because I have a brother and I have a family down there in Sodom and God's a way to burn it. He's a way to destroy it because of their sin. And there's thousands and thousands of people in those two cities and I'm interceding. Oh, but you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. We're going to arrest you. Oh God, don't destroy them. Oh God, change them. Oh God, turn them. Oh God, that they might repent. We're not allowed to do that. I was thinking of the Apostle Paul when he wrote the letter to the church at Romans in Rome. I can imagine some of these boys, some of these smart journalists coming to him with this letter and saying, did you write this? Did you write this? Did you? Yes. Did you email this? Yes. Is that your signature that was on that? Yes. Have you, did you write this? That, that is ungodly, that is vile, that is wicked, that men with men and women with women? And that is not allowed? You said that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven because of what's going on? He wrote that to the Roman church in chapter 1. And he says, God has given them up. He has given them over to their sins and to their wickedness. And it grieved the heart. Did you write this, Paul? Yes, I wrote it. Well, you're not allowed to write that. You're not allowed. You'll be put in jail. That's all right because they took the head off him anyway. doesn't matter. Friend, that's the day and the hour that we are living in. And they spent a whole day up on Stormont not so long ago amending and voting and talking and chatting about something they have no right to do. That is not a political situation. That is for the pulpit. That's for the Word of God, the house of God. So the Word of God declares what is sin and what is not sin. And I can tell you that from that moment, it and the abortion put together from that moment, the whole thing collapsing around them. And you watch it now. There's God's anger. He's angry. He's against it. I know that this portion of Scripture here is This morning is to do with the leaders of the people and with the people themselves. And I want to say this morning, friend, listen, it's time that we awoke. COVID has got the thin end of the wedge in and dear knows where this is going to end. We're in great danger, like danger we never were in before. The battle for the book is on. Awake. COVID was a devil's trial run. I'm predicting this morning that in my lifetime, and I'm an old man, if the Lord doesn't return, there'll be men, young men in this meeting and you'll be in jail for preaching the truth in Ulster. 
We cannot abandon the word of God and the truth of God no matter all hell stands against it. Whenever Luther, whenever Luther was going up into Rome, he says the Pope is going to kill you. He says I don't care that every tile in the room on, on, on the Pope's house at Rome was a demon, I'm still going up. There's a rebuking. Rebuking for the abusing of the word of God and not stand. Dear knows, my friend, where we're going to get men to stand if they collapsed in the way they did in the last 12 months in the churches. Secondly, there's a requiring. Look at verse 10 again. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds and will require my flock at their hands. There's a, there's a judgment seat. There's a day of accountability coming for pastors and elders and ministers, and I live in fear of it. For I have to give an account for this flock for 33 years here. I have to give an account for my time, for my ministry, and for my prayer life. It's no small thing to be called of God as a servant of God. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's an accountability here. He says, I require, I'm going to require, God says. We must all stand. And Hebrews tells us the shepherds watch the souls as they must give an account for the souls. So we stand and give an account for the souls. The pastors and leaders have to give an account for their flocks. And many of them close up their churches and they hid in the rooms. They'll give an account for scattering their flocks to every mountain and hill. Valley. Because you're a failure, he says. In verse 12, he says, it's a cloudy and dark day. In a cloudy and dark day, ye abandon the sheep. He says, I will deliver them out of your hand. And God will cut the corn from a lot of these boys and starve them out for that's what they need. There's not only a rebuking here and a requiring here, there's a removing here because from verse 12 down, if we had time to read it, he, 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 he removes them and then he regathers them. He removes the shepherds. He takes them out. He cuts them out. He cuts the food from them. He cuts the salary from them. He cuts the, cuts the corn. Great shepherd and the good shepherd and the chief shepherd. And from verse 12 down. Look at verse 12. Put your eyes on verse 12. Let the word of the Lord speak to you this morning now. Till we come down to what I really want to punch in the last part of the message. Look at verse 12. You see, he, oh, thank God for the one that never abandons us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Oh, they may go and they may run and they may abandon, but he never does. Look at what he says in verse look at what he says in verse 12 I will search both search my sheep and seek them out Verse 12 again I will deliver them I will deliver them out of the place where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day Verse 13, notice the, the I wills. There's 23 I wills in this chapter. God's saying to these captives in Babylon, he's saying you may be in trouble at the moment, you may have sinned, you may have failed, you may be in bondage, you may have a thousand problems, but listen, I'm going to bless you one day, I'm going to bless you. And you may be in bondage this morning and you may have problems and trials this morning and you may have a thousand things in your life that nobody wants to do, know anything about. Let me tell you this, God is going to bless you. He'd bless you. You just hold on. 
They had to hold on in this captivity, but God in his love and his mercy comes through Ezekiel to tell them. And you'll see as we come down to the end of it, you will see how great and lovely and good is our God. He doesn't forget us. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. Oh, even though we do sin, or even though we do do wrong, even though we do fail him. Many of the sins that brought them into Babylon were many. Idolatry, immorality, apostasy. But he's given them this word, and it's just like God. He's given them this word. They're down, and they're defeated, and they have another long, long, long decades to go. But he's going to say to them, listen, there's coming the day when I'm going to take you out. There's coming the day when I'm going to bless you. Hold on to that this morning. There's, going to, there's coming a the day when he'll take you out. There's coming a the day when he will deliver you. There's coming a the day when he'll set you free. There's coming a the day when this trial will pass. It'll pass, Mother. says, I will bring in verse 13, and I will feed in verse 14, and I will cause in verse 15, and I will, I will bind in verse 16, and I will strengthen, and I will destroy them. Now, I'm quite aware this morning that this scripture has a national application to the Jews returning from Babylon and the dead. He came back under Cyrus and Ezra and Nehemiah. Years later, and I'm, I'm, I'm conscious that this has a national application. I'm also conscious that it has a prophetical application because even at this day, they're gathering back into the land of Israel. They're, they're coming back in the word of God. Tell, but it's the spiritual application that it has. And the spiritual application is this, my friend, that he's full of mercy and he's full of grace and he's full of compassion and he's full of love. And he will not abandon us and he will not leave us. Hallelujah. Now watch the progression here when you go to verse 22. Here's what he says. There's nine I wills down to the end of this chapter here. Nine of them. Verse 22 he says, I will save. There's a saving. Verse 23, there's the setting. I'll call them out, you look at them. Verse 24, there's the speaking. Verse 25, there's the settling. Verse 25, there's the sleeping. And in verse 26, and this is my punchline this morning, verse 26, there's a showering. Look at verse 26. Get your eyes on it. And I will, boy, I tell you, when God says he will, he will. <laughs> and he says he will. He says, call unto me and I will answer. You believe that? Oh, yeah, I tell you, I believe in that in this prayer meeting. When God says I will, he will. You mightn't, and I mightn't, but he says he will. And 23 times in this chapter, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. And he's a God that cannot lie. You get hold of some of these promises this morning and hold on to them for your family and for your children and for your situation. And if the shepherds don't feed you, the Lord will feed you. Verse 26 is sharing. This is one of the greatest promises for revival in the book. I will make them and the place around about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the showers to come down in the season, and there shall be showers of blessing. And that's where we get the hymn we sing, there shall be showers of blessing. Now let that sink in. Let me say again, this is one of the greatest promises for revival in the book. Showers here speak of reviving, refreshing. They speak of the latter rain. There's the early and the latter rain. It speaks of the latter rain that comes in April or May time. It might come, you know, this May. That's why I don't like ever missing one of these three prayer meetings a week. And sometimes I'm tired. And that's why I don't like missing one of them. I'd be afraid to miss them. It'll come some night I'm not here. I want to be here when it comes. I want to be here when the blessing comes. 
We were here, some of us, the last time when it came over in the barn. And there's some in the meeting t- t- this morning, you never were the same since Lanilla was I. Now notice, there's the person who sends the blessing. I will make them. Now it's God that sends the showers. You listen to some of these old professors that say it's global warming. Global warming doesn't send the showers. And global warming is not, be, doesn't, is not because there's no showers. We are constantly reminding people in these prayer meetings, the elders, we're constantly reminding the people in these, in these prayer meetings that we must keep our eyes on the reviver and not the revival. And that is the theme, that is the crux, the crux of the prayer meetings. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. He says, I will. That's one of the great and exceeding precious promises of God. He's given that promise to these people probably 50 years before it. Maybe 60 years. He says, I will. He says in the chapter or so before that, he says, I will pour fury and cut them off. He's saying here, I will pour floods. That word is floods. The showers is the word flood. It's fact that the word, the deep word of it means that it's a violent flood that shakes the earth. Hallelujah! I don't know if too many believe it. It's coming. My friend, it's coming. Sure as I'm standing in this pulpit, God's promises will be kept. He says, I... I will. In fact, the one commentator said, it'll shake the earth. Shake the earth. Can you, can, you, can you give me any other solution to the problem this morning? If this thing goes on, they're going to ban the Bible from us. They're cutting lumps out of it that we can't say and we can't preach. What are we going to do? Hide? Zoom? God help us. Where are the men that are going to stand, these young men? Are you going to stand for the word? See, see here in that text, I will... That's the person that will send it. I will send it. Will not be worked up or worked down. God will send it when he gets his people in order. Do you know there's some of you, God's people this morning, you're never in a prayer meeting. Never. And you'll be the first ones to jump and to complain and to protest when they start to take the Bible out. You'll go out onto the street. You'll fight the physical fight, but not the spiritual one. No, you'll get any amount of men to fight the physical fight. I've seen it here over the years. Oh, we'll stand with you. We'll stand with you. We'll fight. We'll, we'll get the rights. We'll get the When it comes to the spiritual fight, the half nights of prayer and the weeping and the fasting, next Sunday be the way we're having our day of prayer and fasting. I forgot to announce it. We have a day of prayer and fasting every month here. We're having it next Sunday after the table. We'll go over to the barn and we'll cry for our children and we'll cry for our home and we'll cry for our lamb and surely we'll need to cry for Stormont. You can join us if you want. You have to answer for yourself. He says, I will, what's the, what's the verse? I will make, here's, ring this word, I will make them. That's the people. Them. Them. No matter, it doesn't say the flock here. It doesn't say the sheep here. It says them. Listen, it doesn't matter this morning. It doesn't matter what 
sin you have committed. It doesn't matter how you failed. Let me emphasize, failed them last week. Listen, he wants to bless you this morning. He wants to bless this church this morning. He wants to bless this corner this morning. He wants to bless your family this morning. No matter what we have done, no matter where we are, no matter how great our sin is. Look at what he says. Watch it again. I will make them, them, and the place round about my sin. Make them. Who's the them? Well, if you go on up, we were looking at the verse. Sinners, 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 sinners. Sinner, he'll make you a blessing this morning if you let him. Sinner, he's talking to you this morning. You don't know Christ as your Savior. You've been in and out of meetings for years and you know the gospel better than I do. You know the scriptures better than I do. But you're too proud to humble yourself. And you'll go to hell. It'd be an awful thing there'd be men and women sitting in this church this morning on the way to hell. Oh, you'll fight all you can for politics and everything else, but you go to hell at the end of it. Sinner, in bondage, in Babylon. Sinner, bound with drunk, drink and drugs or whatever, pornography or whatever. Listen, he'll loose it, he'll let you go, he'll set you free. Backslider, them. You're one of them, are you? You've lost the song. You've hung the harp on the willow on you. No song. No step. You're out of step with God. No song is gone. You used to praise him. You used to thank him. You used to worship him. It's all gone. Now the devil got in and the world got in and lies got in. And, and you're dry and barren this morning. Do you know what you, do you, know what you would need to do? You need to come into some of these prayer meetings some night. Just sit. Just sit. He wants to restore you this morning. He wants to give you back the years that the locusts have eaten. David could say, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Have you lost the joy this morning? Backslider, listen, I will make them blessing. He wants to shower you this morning with blessings. Backslider. Sinner this morning. You know, Ezekiel's name is God is my strength. God is my strength. Are you strong this morning? Are you strong in the faith this morning? He's telling this people to them when they're still in bondage. This is the promise to God to them when they're still in bondage. Now what's the text again? And we're coming to an end. What's the text again? And I will, that's the person, I, I will make them, that's the people, and the place, well that's the place. Watch what the place is. Round about my hill, go back. They're back. There's only one place the hill can refer to, and that's Calvary. They're back. The temple's back. The sacrifices are back. Back to the cross. <laughs> that's where you have to come. My hill. Boy, and I stood not so long ago in Bishop's Street in London Derry outside that big courthouse. Just opposite the big courthouse is that big three-story house where Bishop Alexander and his wife lived. And there's a big plaque up on the wall of it. And when I worked down there, I used to read it often when I was up and down to the courthouse. And out of those drawing room window at the back, 
out over the Craggan, uh, which is now the Craggan and the Bogside and Rosemount, was all green hills. There is a green hill far away without a city wall where our dear Lord was crucified. He died to save us all. Come back. Come back to the cross this morning. Come back to the feet of Christ this morning. Come back to the sufferings, sacrificial lamb this morning who restore you and cleanse you and forgive you and bless you. Backslider, sinner, come to the cross this morning. And believer, we need all to get back there. Lance Habner says revival's not going down the road beating the big drum, it's going back to Calvary with a big sob. Going back with the big sob. The place, my hill, I tell you, there's only one hill when God says is my hill. One and he knows all about it. He knows all about it, and so his beloved son knew all about it too. On a hill lone and grey, in a land far away, in that old rugged cross, where they stripped him naked, hammered the thorns down on his brow, whipped his back like a ploughed field. Will he love me and give himself for me? Oh, as long as I'm able to walk and get down to the prayer meeting, and if I'm not able, someone will drive me. I'll get into praise and I'll, I'll thank him. Oh, my hill. What does the hymn say? The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Aye, before we reach, what is it? Before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the golden streets. We're marching to Zion. Quickly, the person of the blessing, I. The people of the blessing. The place of the blessing. Now watch this. The period of the blessing. I will cause the showers to come down in his season. Ho, ho. They'll not dictate to God what to do. They'll not tell him to come tomorrow or the next day. Well, you'll not dictate to him what to do on anything either. You just let God alone. You just pray. He is a season. There's a season. And you go through trials for a season. It's only for a season. Seasons end, you know. And you may be in a trial this morning and you're mad to get out of it and you're going to try to conjure and tinker things to get out of it. Just let it alone. It'll pass. It'll pass. Whether it's the sleepless nights or whether it's the family or whatever, the health or whatever, it'll pass. There's a season. He says, I'll do it. I'll pour the showers. I'll pour the floods. I will revive. I will breathe. I will do it. But I'll do it in my time, in my place. Will you just get that in now this morning? Sit back and leave God alone. This season. In his seed, we can set the sails. We can plough the land. We can sow the seed. We can praise. We can plead. We can pray. We can believe. But there we wait. Some of you are frustrated over your children this morning. Praying here from last June, there will soon be a year praying three times a week here. 
naming children and family are still not saved. Some did get saved, some are not. Well, we'll pray on. You pray on. But it'll come suddenly. He comes suddenly to his temple. Man, that earthquake, the whole thing was dark when Paul and Silas were in the prison. And man, it was midnight and there was no hope and they were beaten and they were down there. I tell you, they began to praise. They began to pray and to praise. The prayer come first, by the way. They began to pray and to praise. And suddenly, the whole old place shook. He'll come suddenly. He's going to come suddenly. You trace the revivals. You trace all the right men prayed for years, fasted and prayed like we're doing here. And I would say when I read the history of revivals and I have a fair knowledge of revival, I would say that, that the prayers and the cries and the calls and the fasting and the waiting that's gone up from some of the people here is unprecedented and revival came to places of far less. But it's his season. And maybe when he's when, he, when, he, when we get our eyes open, when we get desperate enough, when we see what they're doing, when we see what they're trying to do with the word of God and they're trying to take it out of us and take it out of our hand and cut bits out of it, maybe we'll get desperate. Maybe when the government's scattered up there in Belfast and maybe before the end of this year, maybe we'll be all crying to God for revival. But it's coming. <laughs> It's coming. I'm assured that it's coming. As I'm on this pulpit this morning. And I have, I have every right to say that. I've held on to it for 33 years. And it's as fresh to me the day as the day I came out. And the Lord said, it'll be a place of a hill, river, and a valley. And there's been many valleys. But it's coming. Let them say what they like about us. And they're all scandalous us in all ways they can. And it's God's people is doing a lot of it. Let them scandal away. I'll take a lot of scandalizing for the move of the Spirit of God. Lying some of them. Let them lie away. But it's coming. It's coming. It is coming, I believe it. Thou dost hear and answer prayer. It is coming, we shall see it. Thine mighty arm make bare. Tides of power, tides of glory, holy tides of perfect love. Satisfying, overflowing, coming on us from above. That's our theme hymn for the revival prayer meetings. Lift the floodgates. Lift the floodgates, Lord, lift the floodgates. There's no hope for our children, there's no hope for our family, and there's no hope for our land. There's no hope for the church. Oh, that the showers of blessing now on our souls may descend. While at the footstool of mercy, pleading the promise, we bend. There's the person. There's the people, there's the place, there's the period, there's the promise. I shall. Now they believe it, you know. Leave you without text in Malachi. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That's not only money tithes now. Are we robbing God? No blessing if you rob God. We're not asking for money. We never do. Bring ye all the tithes. Give me your tithes and give me your time and give me your talents. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing and there'll not be room to receive it 
Oh, I tell you, when the right floods come, you know, there'll be no room for it. Them rivers will not take it. This valley will not take it. It'll sweep out all over the land. And all those who have been held in bondage for years and held and gripped by the powers of darkness and the powers of Satan will be set free. For he says, I will do it. And when he says, I will, he will. I shall. Get a promise. Take it home with you. Claim it. Get your finger on it every day. And believe God. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father. We thank thee for thy word, Lord, to us. We don't take it lightly, Lord, when you give us a word. Lord, we have unburdened our heart this morning. And if we have said anything that drew attention to ourselves or anything that didn't meet the pleasure of God, forgive us for it. Take what has been of ourselves away. And, oh, God, take your own precious word. Buried in our hearts, Lord, we are in a crisis hour. We're in the dark and gloomy day, and, Father, we don't seem to know it or see it or want to know it or see it. Every day, Lord, something's happening, Father, too. Take the very word of God out of our hands and to close our churches and We never thought, Lord, it would come so quickly. Lord, we're crying to thee. That you'll come, Lord. We're tired of old dead meetings, coming and going and praying the same prayers and going out and coming in and waiting to get home and looking to see how many cars are about. God, help us. We need a fresh anointing, Lord. We need fresh spirit of God to come upon our people. Oh, God, bless these hungry sheep this morning. May the hunger increase for the word of God. We pray for pastors and ministers and shepherds of the flock this morning that you'll revive them, Lord. Not to lay hold of the word of God and wait for the message from heaven and preach to their people. Lord, answer our prayer. Come tonight, Lord, and bless in this house. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen.